Hi. Guess what? What? It's time. Oh. The well, end. actually, I knew that because I'm the one who pressed record. <laughs> yeah. How did I know? Because uh, you gave me warning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I feel like you can sense it when I've just like pressed the button because a I lean over conspicuously. Yeah, you do. And I'm like, are you ready? You're not sneaky. No. <laughs> I don't think you're trying to be. <laughs> um. The are you ready? Really no, I wasn't. I wasn't. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> no, I'm. I, I, if if I wanted to be sneaky, I would ask if you're ready. Quieter. Are you ready? Oh, that'd be creepy. And I'd be like, oh my god, uh, to leave? Yeah. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting out of here. Well, I still can. You like hijack <laughs> mom's car? Like just like peel out of the parking lot? Like... Even though I have my own car, I just have to be super dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I was just thinking that. I was like, oh, yeah, you don't walk here. I always walk to your place, so that's kind of I like, know. that's just unfair. I know. Who do you think you are? I'm... Get those legs of, of walking. I'm a queen. Uh-huh. Queen Andrea. You sweat a lot at the gym, Queen Andrea. I sweat a lot at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why you don't walk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I work really hard like... at the gym, though. Yeah, you do. Like, exactly. So hard. I just sweat in general. But that's why it's just short. Like I just go really short. Yeah. Um, gym trips. Yeah. Like that's go a good really idea. intensely for like half an hour. Right. Yeah, and that's the way you should do it. If yeah. you're like addicted to like three hour intensive exercise, you're probably gonna age real bad because it just like fucks your metabolism, turns you into a leather bag. Yeah, you turn yeah. ancient. And honestly, I don't really have that much time for more than half an hour. So if you, you know, you don't have time to just, mod- like, moderately exercise for an hour, no. going really intensely for half an hour works. Yeah, and that's kind of what humans were evolved for, right? Like, sudden bursts of energy. Yeah. And then rest. That's and why then, like, hit workouts, walking. the high-intensity interval training, really works. Yeah, so that's exercise yeah. and fitness tips from Andrew and I. Um, You're welcome. I got confused. I thought this was our fitness podcast. Which we, we will never have. <laughs> I'm not going to lie about that. I don't know. This is our that. podcast. That would be horrific in and of itself for me. I will never do a fitness except when I choose to do a fitness, which I was planning on doing. Hmm. That was my motto Wait a too. Minute. I was like, I'm never exercising. Never. Fuck exercise. I hate it. Screw exercising. I'll just starve myself. Oh, God. Yeah, but then don't I was do that. like, I started exercising and I was like, oh, I really like, look at all these new muscles I didn't never have had before in my life. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, no, when you I've got tone yourself. that I'd never had. Right? Yeah, no, when you starve yourself, your body just gets, like, flabby mm-hmm. because the muscle gets eaten before any fat. Your body will still have a tiny bit of fat no matter what you do. Yeah, you'll just be skinny but flabby. Yeah, and it's not – and you'll also die. I mean, there's that. That's that's also That's also a huge side issue. effect of not eating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so our mental health and also fitness podcast is over now because fuck that shit. And now back into the murder and horror. Yeah, Andrea, what are you afraid of this week? I uh, – what did I say I was afraid of? You are going to quit smoking. Right. Uh, I completely forgot. So – uh, and that was like 10 minutes ago. That's sad. Yeah, that was literally okay. like five seconds ago. It was three I have minutes memory ago issues. exactly. <laughs> according to the timestamp on the thing. That was Oops. three minutes. Um, wow. So I was thinking I'd quit smoking. So I have like this pack and then two more packs left in the carton of yeah. cigarettes I bought. Uh, so after I'm done those two packs, so it's yeah. going to be a little bit. But after the I'm done those two packs, I was thinking I might try quitting smoking. Yeah, you I think should. I'm ready now. 
Yeah, are you gonna like vape to taper down, or are you gonna no. use like Nicorette gum, or are you just gonna cold just turkey gonna it? Gum. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. Gum if or I get like desperate, a patch or something. I'll vape, but I think yeah, I don't really yeah. have one, and I don't really want to buy one, but I'll think no. about it. Yeah, because they cause other health issues, and like popcorn yeah. or whatever. And I'm just afraid of them anyway. Yeah. So ever since people had them blowing up in their faces. Yeah, definitely buy one that is not you know like. I've thought of it before because I feel like I'll need the oral fixation when I yeah. quit eventually, like quit smoking eventually. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably get one. I'm going to be doing a lot of research to make sure. I'm, You know what? The exact thing I'm going to type into the Google search bar is non-explody vape pen. Vape <laughs> pen's thing. known for not setting my face on fire. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why quotes. I'm getting the gum because of the oral fixation. Yeah. And I've tried the patch before because I'm a really light smoker. Yeah. Uh, that's or that's not why I tried the patch. I tried the patch, and because I'm a really light smoker, I had heart palpitations because the patch was too strong. Oh, the patch was stronger than how much you usually smoke. Yeah. Oh, geez. Okay, that's good for me to know because I only smoke lights, and I only kind of like binge smoke on weekends. I really don't really yeah. smoke much during the weekdays either, no. Hmm. Yeah, so you just want to kind of look and be like, because if you use the patch, you can start at like step two instead of step one or something, like and right. that's lower. You go like step by step, and then it low, slowly, gradually lowers the amount of nicotine each step. Right. So, and I started at step one, but wow. I wasn't smoking enough to do step one. Yeah, even step. I should one have stepped was at, too much. started at step two. Yeah. Oh shit! Oh, I see. You know what, what I mean? mean? Step one yeah, is stronger, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then step two yep. is a bit weaker. Yeah. That's weird that they label it that way. I would think that they. Well, because it's what you're supposed to start with. Because if you are a normal person smoker, not like me, you a do smoke enough to. Start at step one. Oh, right. Tapering. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, I don't smoke enough. I should have started at step two or even the last step maybe. Yeah. Last step probably would have been good because you would have noticed if it wasn't working, but worse comes to worse, all it would have done is not give you heart palpitations. Yeah. And not help me quit. Yeah. Yeah. It just would have done nothing. So what are you afraid of? Well, what aspect of quitting smoking were you afraid of? Like just the Oh, I'm going to be that? bitchy. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. what I thought. And it, I have my new position where I'm like with people for really long periods of time and um you're gonna be all cranky we could get on each other's nerves i think at some point and i'm gonna be like evil yeah Yeah. don't do that try to (laughs) try to curb it with the gum just like pop like a bunch of gum in your mouth when someone's pissing you off and they're just like why are you chewing so much gum i'll be like you you're just like i want my breath to be minty fresh <laughs> you're just like a clenched jaw like hands are shaking you're popping another gum in there like, yeah. i like mint <laughs> they're just trying not to like fucking unleash the beast and speaking of beasts that's my fear right um well i'm also afraid of you being irritable cuz you're you're irritable anyway I know. so that's a fear of it's mine gonna too it's going to get worse i know i'm like oh man no <laughs> dang it i'm but, curmudgeon-y. Yeah, so you're the beast, but I'm also <laughs> afraid of another beast. So in Bloodborne, we are at Electricity Asshole, otherwise known as, I don't know, what the fuck is his name? Oh, Dark Beast, I think, or something like that. Dark Beast. Yeah, he looks like a pile of scary bones, and yeah. then he comes alive. Like a dog kind of bony thing. Yeah, like a dog skeleton wraith critter. <laughs> but it's really big, and I have to get under its legs so I can, like, chop its legs off. And then, or destabilize it, but it still has legs after I chop the legs. And then it like shoots electricity under its body and it kills me. And I'm just like, <laughs> how fucking dare this keep happening? Uh, so we tried it, I think, once or twice. Twice. Yeah. And I killed off, actually, no, we only tried it once because I killed a man. Yeah. 
You killed a man. Uh, well, I didn't, but he died. You killed him. I summoned him and he died in the fight. You so. put him in line of danger. Rest in peace, defector. What's his name? Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> NPC hunter. That's. I'm also afraid of killing off NPCs and like also everything. And wandering nightmares. Wandering nightmares make me so sad when I kill them. They, they're just trying and you to just get away. you just go at it. You just go. And well, you're like, because they're hard to catch. And I'm like. You know you're killing another wandering nightmare and you felt bad last time and then you didn't respond and then you're like, oh, that was a wandering nightmare. No, because I just get scared in Bloodborne. Every time something moves, I'm like, oh my God, what's that? Like, I'll fucking kill it. Who will just like, panic. If, if a friend snuck up on you in the middle of like fighting monsters, like, you would just stab them. them in the eyeball. No, I'm actually pretty good with that, but like in Bloodborne, <laughs> all the times it's happened. <laughs> well, if my if my friend happened to look like a, a wraith, then yeah, yeah, I probably would confuse yeah, them the with all the other wraiths. Yeah, the look like they should be evil. They do, and they they move, and they crawl away from you, and they're hard to catch, and they drop good things. So you want to, you do actually want to get them technically yeah. for the game, but they. I accidentally got one glitched out, so he got stuck in a corner, and I was just and he was going. Just desperately trying to run. I know away. he was just trying to crawl away, and I was just like, I was just getting more and more upset, and then I realized he was dead, and I was like, oh. Although they do crawl like spiders, so kind of fuck them. Well, I mean, but I can't even kill spiders. I know, me either. I can't kill fruit flies. I killed a fruit fly once when I was seventeen, and I was like, like I think I've said this, but I literally had this thought, like, how dare I play God? Like, oh my like God, I'm not that's even hilarious. kidding. And I was looking at the dead fruit fly. I was just like, so sad. Like, I actually cried for about like eh, thirty minutes over uh, this on the stairs. Yep. Okay. In Cougaridge, so All you right. can picture that well-developed conscience. Yeah, overdeveloped conscience. But yeah, so today we have a really fucking cool case for you. I requested this of Andrea because yeah. I really wanted her to do it. Yeah, and I, it's a good one. It is a good one, but it's a long one. So sit down, get comfortable mm-hmm. while I tell you the story of H.H. Holmes. Ooh, you did the voice that I do. I did. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Tell, tell me more. All right, so here we go. Uh, okay, so he was born in 1861, and he was born Herman Webster Mudgett. That's a shame. That's why he changed his name. That makes sense. <laughs> he was born in Gilmanton, New Hampshire. His parents were descended from the first English immigrants in that area. So that's kind of cool. That's terrifying. He was the third child. He had an older sister, Ellen, an older brother, Arthur, a younger brother, Henry, and a younger sister, Mary. And hmm. he was smack in the middle. And they, they named him Herman. Herman. That I was know. unfair. Because, like, Arthur's not great. Henry and Mary are okay. But, like... None of them are as bad as Herman Webster Mudgett. Or Ellen. Oh, yeah, Ellen. Ellen's okay. not great. It's all right. Um, he, his father was from a farming family, and his father sometimes worked as a farmer or a trader or a house painter, and his parents were devout Methodists. Mm. And then there were some accounts saying, like, he possibly tortured animals and Ugh. that he suffered abuse from his violent father. But right. there's no proof of either of those things. I think it's just people, like, being, like, trying to explain what happened later. Yeah, like, trying to explain his psychology as a child or something. Yeah. Yeah, to, like, understand what he did. So when he was 16, he graduated high school and he took teaching jobs in Gilmanton. Gilmanton? And later in nearby Alton. And then July 4th, 1878, he married Clara Lovering in Alton. And they had a son, Robert Lovering Mudgett. Okay, or... they really should have taken Clara Lovering. Like, I know, they should, they should have just have left just, at that. Let's not do Mudgett. No, Lovering is pretty. Like, yeah. Clara Lovering had a beautiful name. Lovering is really nice, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so their son was born Feb 3rd, 1880. Mm. 
Uh, Holmes enrolled at the University of Vernon in Burlington, Vermont at age 18, but he left after one year because he didn't like it. And then in 1882, he entered the University of Michigan's Department of Medicine and Surgery and graduated June 1884 after passing his exams. Right. So now he's a doctor. Bad. While he was there, he worked in an anatomy lab under this guy named Professor Herdman, who is the chief anatomy instructor. Okay. So this is kind of like his starting liking to, to do, dissect things. Right? He probably did kill animals. <laughs> he probably did. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, he had apprenticed in New Hampshire under... Another doctor, Dr. White, who was an advocate of human dissection. What? So Holmes would steal cadavers and burn and disfigure them and then place them, put them in places to make it look like they died in accidents. What? And then he, and he would take out insurance, on, like, um, insurance on like them, life right? insurance plans on them. And then he would collect the insurance money when they were found. What the fuck? Yeah. Okay, I'm still, I also think like advocate for human dissection would be... The worst thing to have on your resume. <laughs> yeah. Like, what does I that mean? I agree with dissecting humans. Yeah, like you get like a picket and a poster and you just go out and you're like, I am yeah. advocating for something important here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, so their housemates said that he treated Clara violently. Ugh. And in 1884, after he graduated, she moved back to New Hampshire. And then later she wrote she knew little of him afterwards. So Good. I'm glad she got away. Yeah. Uh, he moved to Moore's Forks, New York. And rumors spread that he had been seen with a little boy who later disappeared. And Holmes claimed that the little boy went back home to Massachusetts. Ugh. And there was no investigation. And then Holmes left town. They're just like, we'll take your word for it, human yeah, dissection seems, advocate friend. That seems right. Okay. <laughs> so then he traveled to Philadelphia, and he got a job as a keeper at Norristown State Hospital. But he quit after a few days and then took a position at a drugstore in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. While he was working there, a boy died after taking medication that was purchased there. Shit. And Holmes denied his involvement and left the city. So this is his pattern. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right before moving to Chicago, he changed his name to Henry Howard Holmes. H.H. Holmes, to avoid being exposed by victims of previous scams because he's done this insurance thing, right? Right. Um, In his confession after he was arrested, after everything went down, he claimed he killed his former med school classmate, Dr. Robert Laycock, in 1886 for insurance money. But Dr. Laycock actually died in Watford, Ontario, in Canada on October 5th, 1889. So, like, you're seeing, like, he's a liar. Yeah, like, basically, it's just not Pathological, yeah. Yeah. In late 1886, while he was still married to Clara, he married Myrta Belknap from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah. So he just randomly married another lady while he was still married. Exactly. Good. (laughs) He filed for divorce from Clara a few weeks after the wedding, alleging that she was uh, unfaithful. (laughs) But uh, these claims were not proven, so the suit went nowhere. Um, And the surviving paperwork suggests that Clara was never even informed of the suit. So he never got the divorce. It was never finalized. Yeah. And the whole thing was dismissed on June 4th, 1891 on grounds of want of prosecution. Okay. He's getting away with way too much shit. People are taking his word for way too much. I know. I know. Like, they're just like, well, if you say so, sir. Could have got Like, caught. we're not going to check into this at all because we're cops from the 1800s. He didn't get caught for so long. Like, Ugh. after so much shit. Yeah, this is so obvious. Like, did you do this punishable by law crime? No. Okay, okay. then. Never mind. We'll move on. That's good. 
<laughs> I mean, you're a doctor on, and you're a, a white man, so. So we'll we'll just yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. Good day, sir. I mean, you could you couldn't lie. Cheerio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cheerio, <laughs> yeah. Um, Holmes had a daughter with Murda. Mm-hmm. Her name was Lucy Theodate Holmes. Theodate, I don't know how to pronounce it, but that was uh, Holmes's mother's name too. She was born July fourth, eighteen eighty nine, in Englewood, Chicago, Illinois. Theodate, maybe. Theodate, yeah. I don't know. Holmes lived with Murda and Lucy in Wilmette, Illinois, and spent most of his time in Chicago tending to his business. And then he married Georgiana <clears throat> Yoke on January seventeenth, eighteen ninety four, in Denver, Colorado, while still married to Clara and Murda. Of course. Yeah, so that's his third. He's just collecting some wives here. That sounds yeah. ominous already. Like, what, I know. what's he going to do to them? It's... All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. So, about the hotel. Yeah. In 1886, he arrived in Chicago and came across Elizabeth S. Holton's drugstore. Elizabeth gave Holmes a job, and he was a hardworking employee, and he eventually bought the store from her. Oh. Yeah. So now he owns a drugstore. That's good. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yeah, promising. It's... Yeah. That's who we want to own something like that. And have control of medicine. Yeah, after that child uh, went back to Massachusetts after purchasing drugs from him. Hmm. The best. Okay, so. (laughs) So several books portray Elizabeth's husband as an old man who quickly vanished along with her. But actually, her husband, Dr. Holton, was a fellow Michigan alumnus and only a few years older than Holmes. And they both remained in Englewood through Holmes' life and survived well into the 1900s. So he didn't kill them. What? Just wanted they to dodged say that. a bullet there. Yeah, I guess they must have been friends. Well, so, he killed a lot of his friends, though. But, he uh, did, yeah. All right, so, so he, they dodged it. Yeah. Holmes owned that drugstore, and he ended up purchasing the empty lot across from the dr- drugstore. Mm-hmm. And construction began in 1887 for a two-story mixed-use building. So he had apartments on the second floor and retail spaces, including a drugstore on the first floor. Weirdo. <laughs> yeah, he's just. He's just. I mean, he's entrepreneurial. Yeah, no, it sounds like his business went really well. He's a serial killer, so we know where this is going. Yeah. So when he declined to pay the architects or the steel company, the steel company sued him in 1888, (laughs) and he kept doing this. And in 1892, he added a third floor, telling his investors and suppliers that he was going to use it as a hotel during the upcoming World's Columbian Exposition. But the hotel portion never ended up being completed. But there was obviously hotel rooms. It just never was finished yeah uh, furniture suppliers discovered that Holmes was hiding their materials that he hadn't paid for what? in hidden rooms and passages what and so this place had soundproofed rooms and mazes of hallways and some of the hallways went nowhere many rooms were outfitted with chutes that dropped straight to the basement where Holmes had acid vats quick lime and a crematorium I knew it oh that's yeah. the thing that I always think about the acid vats? Yeah, being like, like that would be the suddenly fucking that would be I don't know. That'd be agonizing. People say being lit on fire is more painful, but like is the most painful, but maybe I Your think acid body. might be right up there. I think it'd be very <laughs> similar, except you also have the horror of getting it down like your throat and you're melting. You yeah, see the chunks you're of drowning, flesh going you're, off. So you're inhaling. And it's like falling off your bones. Yeah, that'd be terrifying. Ugh. Yeah. So the search well like when police did the search of the place. Yeah. That search made the news and investors pulled out <laughs> uh, because someone showed them the articles and they were like, oh, yeah, uh, no. Oh, yeah, so. there's a crematorium and vats of acid and yeah. shoots and weird hallways. I don't think um, this is a good investment anymore. You think, guys? <laughs> but he's going to tell them, like, no, it's okay. I, I need those shoots down to vats of acid. Uh, 
doctor business. Yeah. And they'll that's be like, all. oh, okay, sir. Oh, okay. Here's, here's all of my money. So <laughs> the hotel was also gutted by a fire started by an unknown arsonist after Holmes was arrested, but it was largely rebuilt and then used as a post office until 1938. That arsonist is a hero. Oh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not really. I don't know. But... Kind of cover. Like, maybe they were covering up evidence. Oh, shit. It was yeah, right after maybe. he was arrested. So maybe he hired someone or, yeah. Okay. So the murders. Never mind then. Here's I take the that good back. part. The moiras. Good part. You're terrible. All right. So. Um, <laughs> that's why we're here. I mean, that is why we're here. All right. And that's probably <laughs> why everyone listening is here. So let's, that's let's dive right into this. I'm terrified. Okay. So oh one early victim was his mistress, Julia Smith who was the wife of Ned Connor, who had moved into the building and Ned worked at the pharmacy's jewelry counter. So Ned found out about Julia's affair and quit his job and moved away, leaving Julia and her daughter Pearl behind. And she stayed there with Pearl because she got custody and continued her affair with Holmes. But Julia and Pearl disappeared Christmas Eve, 1891, and Holmes claimed that she died during an abortion, but this was never confirmed. And, like, what happened to the daughter? Right. Late-stage abortion. I was going to say, that's very late stage. You can't abort them after they're born. She died of aborting her five-year-old daughter. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's not how that works. That seems wrong. They're like, oh, but you're a doctor. Okay. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, okay. Five years, you say? I I didn't know it could be done that late, but okay. (laughs) God, what is going on? Okay. (laughs) 1800s. Pull your fucking shit together. All right. So, like. All right. So, then... Emmeline Sigrand, possibly another mistress. She began working in the building in May 1892, and she disappeared that December. Mm. And then another woman, Edna Van Tassel, also vanished. So what happened with that was Holmes had sent a female cadaver with the upper body nearly stripped of flesh to a man named Charles Chappelle, who I think this guy, Charles Chappelle, who was a guy that helped Holmes yeah. Sell his skeletons. Yeah, sell the uh, skeletons he sold. Like, yeah, uh, he from created. the dead people. Yeah, yeah, from all the dead. Jeez. So years later, investigators discovered a woman's shoeless footprint imprinted in the enameled door of Holmes's large vault. What? So they speculated that Holmes had used acid to speed the departure of oxygen from the vault to, like, oh, suffocate her. Oh and God. Emmeline stepped in the acid before placing her feet upon the door in an effort to kick it open. Oh, that poor girl. Yeah. So... While working in a chemical bank building, Holmes met and became close friends with this guy named Benjamin Peitzel, who is a carpenter with a criminal past who is exhibiting a coal bin he had invented. And he used Benjamin as his right-hand man for several criminal schemes. Uh, the district attorney later described him as Holmes's tool, his creature. What? Yeah. So, like, he basically was, like... This is, like, his like, Igor. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. I know. Uh, so in early 1893, this woman, one-time actress Minnie Williams, moved to Chicago, and Holmes later said that he had met her in an employment office, but rumors were that she had, he had met her in Boston years earlier. Right. And he offered her a job at his hotel as a personal stenographer and persuaded her to transfer the deed to her property in Fort Worth, Texas, to a man named Alexander Bond, oh boy. which is one of Holmes's aliases. Well, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. No, he just really cares about some guy named Alexander Bond. (laughs) Yeah, he's just like, my good old pal Alexander really needs the help. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Holmes served as the notary when she signed it over. And then Holmes later signed the whole thing over to Benjamin and gave Benjamin the alias Benton T. Lyman. Huh. And in May 1893, 
Holmes and Minnie, presenting as man and wife, rented an apartment in Chicago's Lincoln Park. So okay. now he's How with Minnie. How many wives and mistresses can he possibly entertain? So many. What are they doing? Like, is he just like... Hot? Rotate... No, I doubt it. <laughs> Rotating like 15 minutes? Like, I've seen pictures of him. Doesn't he have like a, a weird like mustache? Yeah, I thought he was... Maybe that mustache was super sexy in the 1800s. And they're all just willing to put up with only seeing him for 15 minutes a day because he's rotating. Yeah. And like... <laughs> oh, there's more weird shit. Like, you're going to... Oh, yeah. This yeah. guy was wild. You're gonna all be, right. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be surprised. So... I am. Minnie's sister, Nanny, came <laughs> to visit. And in July, she wrote to her aunt that she planned to accompany Brother Harry, as she called him. Which hmm. is weird because it's not his name. He's not a priest. Like, not even his old name. Yeah. <laughs> it's none of his names, but whatever. To Europe. So she was going to go to Europe with him. But then neither Minnie nor Nanny were ever seen alive again after July 5th, 1893. You don't say. They figure, like, he knocked them out with chloroform and then Ugh. killed her, them. But they're not sure how. Not sure. Uh. Yeah. He was able to sell skeletons of his victims to med labs and schools, like I said before. Yeah. He would sometimes hire an assistant to help him strip the flesh off the bodies and then dissect them and prepare the viable skeletons. And the rest of the remains were tossed in pits of lime or acid to break down the evidence. Uh, Insurance companies began pressing uh, to prosecute Holmes for arson. What? So he had done something. Like, I think he was just doing a whole bunch of insurance scams at this time, right? Oh, so he probably burned something down to pull in the insurance money. Yeah, so he had other legal issues other than murdering people. Yeah, he had a lot of things going on yeah what is with this man i don't know so he left chicago in july 1894 and reappeared in fort worth texas where he had inherited that property yeah and he sought to construct another castle along the lines of the chicago operation and he swindled even more suppliers and in july 1894 he was arrested and briefly incarcerated for the first time on the charge of selling mortgaged goods in st louis or st louis missouri so um yeah more scams like he was just total con man well yeah most doctors are yeah uh he was bailed out but he had met in there convicted outlaw marion hedgepeth and they concocted a plan to swindle an insurance company out of ten thousand dollars which is two hundred and ninety thousand dollars today oh wow by taking out a policy on himself on homes right and faking his own death and he promised hedgepeth five hundred dollars in commission in exchange for the name of a lawyer that could be trusted Right. So Hedgepeth directed him to lawyer Jephthah Howe, and Mm. he thought Holmes' scheme was brilliant, but the plan to fake his own death failed when the insurance company became suspicious and wouldn't pay. Oh, okay. So an insurance company is just like, no. This is weird. Like, Well, no, that's what insurance companies do, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most of the time they do refuse to pay. Yeah. So this isn't shocking. No. Um, Holmes concocted a similar plan with Benjamin, because he's like, this can work. We just have to try again. So, oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, so what would happen is Benjamin would fake his own death so that his wife could collect $10,000 insurance policy, and then she would split the money with Holmes and Howe. Right. Which is the lawyer, right? Yeah. The scheme was to be in Philadelphia, and it called for Benjamin to set himself up as an inventor under the name B.F. Perry and then be what? killed and disfigured in a lab explosion, and Holmes was supposed to find a cadaver to be To, like, him. represent him? Yeah. But instead... He just did it to him. Holmes killed Benjamin. And, oh, no. Yeah. Apparently, they think, like, at first they thought he knocked him out with chloroform and then set his body on fire with benzene. (gasps) And Holmes 
told them later that Benjamin was actually still alive when he set him on fire. Oh. Like, he was just knocked out. Oh, but forensic God. evidence actually showed that the chloroform ad- was administered after Benjamin's death so that they could mm. fake suicide to exonerate Holmes if he was charged with murder. So they're trying to say, I think Holmes is trying to make it look like, yeah, so he killed himself, but I didn't know, and then I went to knock him out, but he was already dead, and then I set him on fire. Like, I don't and know. And they're like, that's chill. Yeah, they're well, like, that's as fine. As I mean, him. as long as he was already dead. It's all good. You have to knock out <laughs> corpses with chloroform all the time. They they can yeah. be they can be they really rowdy. They are rowdy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you could have fought back. You don't know. Uh, <laughs> Holmes Why? then manipulated. So Holmes, uh, Benjamin's wife didn't know that this that happened. he killed him. Yeah. So he ma- manipulated her into allowing three of her five children to be in his custody. And I think he was using Bad. that to manipulate her then, right? Oh, shit. So he manipulated her into allowing it, and then he... And then he probably used them used, against her. Yeah. Oh, my so God. So the eldest, her eldest daughter and her baby remained with her, but her three kids, Alice, Nellie, and Howard, traveled with homes throughout northern U.S. and into Canada. Oh, no. Get out of here, Holmes. Yeah, don't come here. Yeah, not, not even welcome. not even like a hundred years ago. You're not no. <laughs> get out. <laughs> Simultaneously, he escorted Ben's wife along a parallel route, mm. all the while using various aliases and lying to her concerning her husband's death and about the true whereabouts of her children. Oh no. Um, so they were always like really close together and in Detroit, just before they entered Canada, they were actually only separated by a few blocks, but he wouldn't tell her like, and then he was also staying at another location in Detroit there with his wife, right? who was unaware of anything. So he's got three places where like one where he's keeping the kids, one where he's keeping Ben's wife and one where he's keeping his wife. What the fuck? In Detroit. And he just like kept them separate. He just like even though he could have people. reunited them. My God. Yeah. So they could have. She could have found them. Yeah. Ten. Oh. Wow. So Holmes would later confess to murdering Alice and Nellie oh. by forcing them into a large trunk and locking them inside. He drilled a hole in the lid and put one end of the ho- a hose through the hole, attaching the other end to a gas line to oh, suffocate them. Oh my God. And he buried their bodies in a cellar of a rental house in Toronto. Oh. So Frank Geyer. He is a Philadelphia police detective assigned to investigate Holmes and uh, to find the three missing children. And he ended up finding the decomposed bodies of the girls and said, quote, The deeper we dug, the more horrible the odor became. And when we reached the depth of three feet, we discovered what appeared to be the bone of the forearms of a human being. Uh. Geyer then went to Indianapolis, where Holmes had rented a cottage. Holmes had visited a pharmacy to purchase drugs to kill the third kid, Howard. Oof. Yeah. And oh, a repair no. shop he'd gone to to sharpen the knives that he used to chop up Howard's body before Ugh. burning it. Oh, my God. I know. So he killed her kids. and That's fucked. Yeah. Oh, that poor woman. And she could have rescued him, but she, them, but she didn't know. She wouldn't They were so know. close, but yeah. Oh, God. That's so sad. Yeah. Uh, the boy's teeth and bits of bone were found in the chimney and his favorite toy, which was a tin oh. man that his father had bought for him at the Chicago World's Fair, was also there. Oh. So they know it's Howard. That's so sad. Yeah. Holmes' oh. spree finally ended when he was arrested in Boston on November 17th, 1894, after he was tracked there. Good. Fuck this guy. So now we're coming to, yeah, goodness. So he was held on an outstanding warrant for horse theft in Texas because of, of course. course he did that. Because of course he's got to do everything. <laughs> yeah. He's got to do everything that's a crime in Anything the 1800s. Anything that's not legal, Holmes is doing it. 
Gosh. After finding Alice and Nellie's bodies in July 1895, Chicago police and reporters investigated that building in Englewood. And this is just a side note, but the neighbors called it the castle. So it's just a really big-ass building. It was just a really big-ass building, yeah. Yeah. So bones, a bloodstained dissection table, surgical tools, quicklime and acid, charred women's shoes, and tattered clothing were found. And oh human gosh. hair plugging the stovepipe was found. Ugh. More human remains. And... Well, there was that vault, a walk-in vault with woman's footprint etched into the door, right? The right. One woman. The woman who'd stepped in the acid. And the remains of a child. Oh. And Geyer traveled to Chicago to discover that the remains were the body of a little girl, and they think maybe that was Pearl. Oh, no. Yeah. So in October, oh. in October 1895, he was put on trial for the murder of Benjamin Peitzel, and he was found guilty and Good. sentenced to death. And Finally. it was evident at this point that he'd murdered... Those three children, right? This is yeah. Who else the fuck did it? Like exactly. Um, he confessed to twenty-seven murders in Chicago, Indianapolis, and Toronto. Though some he confessed to killing, some of the people that he said he killed were still actually alive. What? Yeah. So, so he confessed to killing people he didn't kill. Yeah, I think he's a pathological liar, but I think also maybe this is to like make them think, oh, maybe he's innocent. You know, right? He's confessing to murders he didn't commit, so maybe he's just crazy. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, because that's the thing. He is a murderer, so it's not yeah. like he wouldn't have murdered but he, these people. But he really but likes lying. Liar? Yeah, so it just seems like a weird thing. And saying that he killed people he didn't, yeah. What the fuck? So um, I think uh, it was tabloids. I didn't write it down. I don't know why. Uh, but they paid him $7,500, which is $226,000 today. Wow. In exchange for his confession. But the confession turned out to be mostly nonsense. He initially claimed he was innocent, and then he said he was possessed by Satan. Okay. Yeah. In 1896, he was hanged at Moya Mensing Prison, also known as Philadelphia County Prison, for the murder of Benjamin. Right. And until the moment of his death, he was really calm. He asked for coffee. Or, he, no, he didn't ask for coffee. What? I have so many typos in this. He asked for his coffin to be contained in cement and buried 10 feet deep. Because he was worried that grave robbers would steal his body and use it for dissection. So basically due to him what he did right. to people. Yeah, I was going to say. So he's like, all people have this urge, right? To yeah. dissect bodies. And he's like, I can do it to other people, but nobody can do it to my body. Asshole. Yeah. Um, when he was hanged, his neck did not snap. He was strangled to death slowly. Uh, he was twitching for over 15 minutes before he was finally pronounced dead. Okay, well, at least there's some. So there's some karma. So there's some karma, yeah. So, on New Year's Eve, Hedgepeth, who had been pardoned for informing on Holmes, was shot and killed by police officer Edward Jaburik during a holdup at a Chicago saloon. What? So, that's one of his, like, partners dead. Right. So, this is, like, just moving on to tell like, you everything so that happened his partners after. did some shit and Yeah, they, well, they helped him shot. with all of this. All, yeah. Like, not all, not everything, right? Um, a lot of some the Some of them things. just helped with, like, the fake death insurance policy thing yeah but yeah so um in march 1914 the chicago tribune reported that with the death of quinlan who was the former take care caretaker of the castle um the mysteries of Holmes castle would remain unexplained which well, sucks because it would nice be nice to know it'd be more. nice to know more of the details yeah it would quinlan actually died by suicide by taking strychnine his body Oof. was found in his bedroom with a note that read i couldn't sleep Yikes. Uh, relatives said that he had been haunted for several months and that he'd been suffering hallucinations. Probably because of this shit. So, like, it's just, like, everything 
all these people that worked with homes after were just dying off. Thing, yeah. That's so weird. And then, like I said before, the castle was gutted by fire in August 1895. Mm -hmm. What happened was two men were seen entering the back of the building between 8 and 9 p.m., and then half an hour later they were seen exiting and rapidly running away. Right. So they, they like, I don't know, set down a Molotov. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just booked it. Because it was several explosions, and then the castle went up in flames. Yikes. And when they investigated, they found a half-empty half gas can underneath the back steps, and the building actually survived, and it remained in use until torn down in 1938. That's it weird. was a post office. Yeah. Oh, that's so weird. So in 2017, recently. Oh, great. There were allegations that Holmes had actually escaped execution. So what? then, yeah, like some of his great great grandkids or great grandkids or something um, Came asked forward. for an exhumation just to like put these rumors to rest. Right. Due to this, so they did, they dug him up, and due yeah. to being contained in cement, he hadn't decomposed normally. His Ugh. clothes were almost perfectly preserved, and his mustache was intact, Ugh. but his body was positively identified through his teeth and then reburied. So Ugh. it is him. He did not ex escape. I was wondering, I was like, <laughs> how do you escape cement again? That's a I know, hard well, one. Like, how do you, like, he would have escaped hanging, and then somebody else would have been buried. Maybe he paid off the cement so he could commit another crime. Bribery. <laughs> like, yeah, no. I'm glad that he's gone. Yeah. So the rooms, the hotel, <clears throat> a little bit, just a little bit more about the hotel because I was like, this doesn't have that much detail. But right, so about the, the murders themselves, like it's interesting. But Yeah, it's really interesting. But it's just kind of like what what happened? Yeah. So at this hotel, it seems like it always smelled like chemicals, right? Because you got vats of acid. Yeah. All, uh, the, all the chloroform you're yeah. using on people probably, yeah. Um, loved ones of missing people did ask questions, but Holmes's answers were always super helpful and concerned. So mm. he's always like, yeah, charmed them away. Wow. Uh he kind of thought that people were objects to be acquired and he really liked controlling people and all that sort of thing. Collecting of women. Yeah. Uh, so he would typically he would gas people in their rooms to yeah. kill them, or he would sneak in and subdue them with chloroform. Right. And then he would dispose of them via Chappelle's articulation skills or in the basement furnace, or buried in quicklime-filled pits, or tossed into acid vats. So he wasn't fussy, just spin of the dice there. Yeah. Spin so of the, the wheel. The things the I dice. was looking at today, <laughs> um, they didn't have a lot of detail, but when I watched the like documentary on him it basically mm. said like sometimes he would uh put them in a room and just like leave them alone and yeah. then they couldn't get out and so they would they starve to death. to death or like dehydrate to death obviously Ugh. um sometimes he'd gas them sometimes he um other times he would actually just like lock them in a room and then come in and like strangle them weird and he had like a partner that helped him or something yeah there's just like a lot of ways and i could not find all of the information and this was already really long yeah, no, I understand, so I like, but that's a lot know. of shit. But yeah, like, so like, that's... Like, he didn't seem to have a pattern at all, which is unusual no. for serial killers. Usually they've got, like, a method they like. Yeah. And sometimes he would just, like... I thought I heard something about, like, them... Like, he would have, like, trick, like, door... Yeah, trap doors. Yeah, trap doors that they would that fall led. through and just, like, fall to the basement to their death. Yeah, Like, not bats. even to the acid, but, like... Just yeah, on just the floor. Fall, yeah. So, like, he just had various ways of killing people yikes yeah yeah this whole this like whole hotel is like known as like this is like labyrinth of murder like yeah you just walk into the wrong room and well shit and he liked doing it in different ways obviously right yeah in really gross ways like i can't even imagine starving somebody to death that's evil that'd be horrible 
That's fucking That's such evil. a slow, horrible death. Yeah, wondering what's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, I mean, they're months, for months, like, suffering, like, really badly psychologically, like. <laughs> yeah, oh my god. Well, fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck him. I'm Steve glad Holmes. he's dead. I'm glad that cement just, like, kept him dead. Yeah. Just fuck him and his mustache. <laughs> it uh, wasn't hot in the 1880s, I guarantee it. No, probably not. Not even then. He was probably just a big, fat loser. Well, sounds like it. Uh, he's mustache. got a lot of scams going on. I'm just kind of like, <laughs> why can't you, like, if you are a doctor, you could make easy money off of doctoring. Yeah. You've I got know. the doctorate. But he enjoyed <laughs> it. The MD. It wasn't for the money. He enjoyed it. All right. All right. So I have some stuff for you, too. And actually, some of it, because our theme was like homes, right? Yeah. Just because we went off weird Holmes, houses. And it was in his house. Yeah. Like he built this weird ass house yeah. and slash hotel. And yeah, so I did a bunch of creepy homes. Uh, some like they're just notorious and, sh- and shit. So it's just going to be fun. So. Rather alarming residencies. Oh, no. Yes. So, I started <laughs> off with that's one night. That's your title. Yep. That's, I liked it. Okay. I, I, that's why I typed it and everything, because I was like, you know what? I'm not letting that go. That was a stroke that of brilliance. That was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I am the next Pulitzer winner, and we all know it. But, um, so, the Winchester Mystery House was one Andrea requested, so I'll start with that. And the Winchester Mystery House is a mansion in San Jose, California, that was once the personal residence of Sarah Winchester. And she was the widow of firearm magnate William Wirt Winchester. Uh, So it's located at 525 South Winchester Boulevard in San Jose. And uh, it's a Queen Anne-style Victorian mansion that's renowned for its size, its architectural curiosities, and its lack of any master building plan. Like, there are no blueprints for this. It is a designated California historical landmark and is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. It's privately owned now and serves as, as like, a tourist attraction these days. Yeah. So, since its construction in 1884, the property and mansion were claimed by many to be haunted by the ghosts of those killed with Winchester rifles, which Sarah's husband created. So, Sarah Winchester herself had lost a daughter, Annie, and her husband, so rumored to have been given the spiritual advice to do so by a professional medium, Sarah Winchester gave day-to-day guidance that the home's, quote, from the ground up construction should proceed around the clock, by some accounts without interruption. So, like, she just told them, you just gotta keep going. Just keep going, man. Yeah, so this work did reportedly continue as stated until Sarah's death on September 5th, 1922, at which time work immediately ceased. Because they're like, They're like, finally (laughs) she's gone. Crazy lady's dead, we can stop now. Yeah, apparently she wasn't that, like, nasty, though. Like, some people say that she did this, and some people say that she did give them breaks and stuff, and she was actually nice about it. And, I mean, I'm guessing the workers rotated, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the abnormalities with the house include staircases that rise up through several letter uh, levels of the home before just ending abruptly into nowhere, and doorways that open to flat blank walls and hallways culminating in corners that lead to dead ends. So basically, the result of the constant construction prior to Sarah's death is that a legitimate labyrinth exists at the site of the home, and it's it's rumored to be haunted to this day by yeah, her, the be husband, the daughter, yes. everyone. Yeah, I mean, it's just creepy, like, architecturally speaking, right? Yeah. And a lot of people report that they, like, take pictures in there and see orbs and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next one is uh, Ray Mayer's Hollow, also known as the Hex Murder House. 
So, Raymare's Hollow is located in central Pennsylvania, York County, near the Maryland border. The area was brought to national attention by a murder that occurred there in 1928. So the name of- yeah. I know you love 1928. You seem very excited when I said that. Nothing to do with the murder, just I love that year. Yeah, that was when your (laughs) ooh came out, so I assumed it was that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the name of the hollow was later changed to Spring Valley County Park. And it wasn't uncommon, um for in the area for locals at the time to engage in this like spiritual practice called powwow medicine which is related to faith healing and witchcraft uh, a collection of beliefs and traditions that were brought over by the pennsylvania dutch settlers from germany so in the u.s the practice centered around a book of magical recipes called powwows or the long lost friend by johann georg Hohmann. So, in 1928, under the malicious advice of a local witch named Nellie Nall, who was known as the River Witch of Marietta, a man and fellow witch named John Blymeyer, or Bleemeyer, dang it. Blymeyer? I don't know. John believed that he had been (laughs) cursed by another man, Nelson Raymeyer, right? Okay. So Bleemere and his two teenage accomplices broke into Raymere's home to find his personal copy of the Brakre, which is from the Pennsylvania Dutch terms for, like, spell book, The Long Lost Friend. So he had a copy of that book written by that dude. Okay. And they wanted to, like, find it and kill it. <laughs> they wanted to murder that book. So Bleemere and his fellow conspirators, John Curry and Wilbert Hess, who likewise felt victimized by Raymere, were unable to find the book, but they did find Raymere who apparently, like, refused when they demanded he lift the curse. Uh, The details as to the argument are uncertain. So, enraged, they beat him to death, mutilating him, in the hopes that this would lift the curse. Of course, it might. Yeah, okay, right? (laughs) So the three men charged with the crime also set fire to the house, hoping to, like, remove remnants of the curse, probably get rid of the book since they couldn't fucking find it, as well as to destroy (laughs) evidence of their murder. However... The house did not burn down as they had expected. Because it's cursed. Yeah. This led... Right? It's an (laughs) enchanted house. Enchanted house. Yeah, so this led to many people, like, further believing that Raymere was indeed a witch, and that his power had prevented the destruction of his house. And... The resulting trial drew substantial media attention. Raymare's house, the site of this grisly murder, still stands on Raymare's hollow. Road. (laughs) (laughs) I was not expecting that sentence to end that way, even though I wrote it. So many locals believe it to be haunted, right? And many supernatural enthusiasts, and sometimes just like random young thrill seekers, like enjoy visiting the hollow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I would too. Yeah, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see. <laughs> Fuck. What? Fuck that sentence. All right, so <laughs> next one. Um, this one some people will probably have heard of. Um, and you probably heard of the other ones too, but this is pretty notorious. So <laughs> the Spawn Movie Ranch. Now, the ranch took its name from dairy farmer George Spahn, who purchased the property in 1953. And when he owned it, he'd added more sets and rental horses, and it became like a popular location for horseback riding among locals. And because of its mountainous terrain and like bouldery scenery, plus an old western town set built by the previous owners, Spahn Ranch was a filming site for some crews. So, 
These films, however, were mostly B-movies. Right. They're really bad. Probably, like, really shitty spaghetti westerns. Yeah. Right? So it was no longer in use for that when it served as the primary home of the infamous Charles Manson and his cult. Ooh. Which he referred to as his Manson family. Ew. I know. I, re- I even oh. wrote you. <laughs> and you're just like, ew. Yeah, I, I ew. But it is ew, ew. Manson family. It was basically <laughs> like a bunch of young, impressionable women too. Like, ew. Yeah, ew. So basically, uh, Spawn was 80 years old, going blind, and living at his ranch when he allowed the Manson family to move in rent-free in exchange for labor, right? Because he couldn't do it himself. Yeah. He was old. The family did daily chores and helped run the horse rental business, which had become Spawn's main source of income. Manson family member Lynette Fromm later wrote, quote, I was impressed with George Spawn's hardiness. He was 80 years old, and although his blindness had for five or six years kept him in a world apart, he was mentally still present, living alone and working through all the frustrations of having lost authority in the running of his own business, end quote. So Spawn was never accused of any role in the many murders for which members of the family and Manson were later convicted. Although apparently Lynette, who the quote was from, yeah. had been ordered by Manson on multiple occasions to have sex with the aging man, to have sex with Spawn. No. Yeah, she'd been ordered to and they were a weird cult. So okay. apparently, like, maybe that that happened. Uh, so the Manson cult had been living at Spawn Ranch when they committed the most notorious and gruesome of their crimes, the Tate and LaBianca murders. Yeah. Yeah. So on the night of August 8th, 1969, Manson directed Charles Watson, which was, like, a man who joined the group at Spawn's Ranch after he'd quit college and moved to California, mm-hmm. to take fellow cult members Susan Atkins, Linda Kasabian, and Patricia Krenwinkel to the previous home of Terry Melcher, who was, like, a former colleague of, uh, of Manson's. And this w- this place was at, like, 10050 Cielo Drive in Los Angeles, and he ordered them to kill everyone there. So the home had only recently been rented to celebrity couple Sharon Tate and director Roman Polanski. Uh, Polanski was away in Europe at the time, working on the film A Day at the Beach. And Manson told the three women to do as Watson told them to do. So the family members proceeded to kill the five people they found in the house. Actress Sharon Tate. Oh, I hate it. Yeah, it's really bad. Why does he put the man in charge too, honestly? Well, oh, I mean, I want to dive deeper into this case later because like his whole cult was based on this really weird race war idea where he was like super racist and like he's fucked. Yeah. He was a bad person, like, obviously. Well, obviously, yeah. Yeah, but he was, like, scary. Like, if you look up his picture, you can see it in his eyes. He's just terrifying looking. But yeah, he was fucked up. So he, yeah. Um. So the family members, like, they killed the five people they found in the house. So first was, like, actress uh, Sharon Tate, who was eight months pregnant. Her unborn child was killed. That's terrible. Yeah, I think mom said they, like, cut open her stomach and yeah she was definitely stabbed the baby while the baby is still attached to her oh my god yeah i forget exactly i think it was something like that too i've read several things about this but yeah yeah it's fucked so the other people who were killed were jay sebring abigail folger and wojtek frakowski who were visiting sharon right and stephen parent who had been visiting the caretaker of the home yeah. So Atkins, one of the cult members, wrote Pig in blood on the front door as the group left. 
So the next night of August 9th, 1969, six cult members, Leslie Van Houten, Steve Clem Grogan, and the four from the previous night, drove out again on Manson's orders. Um, displeased by the panic of the victims at Cielo Drive, I don't know how he knew how panicked they were since he didn't go, but this time, like, Manson accompanied the six, and here's a quote from him, to show them how to do it. Yeah. Hmm. End quote. Why was so. he displeased by their panic? Yeah, I don't know. He was fucking wild. That's weird. He's, okay. he's, yeah. Uh-huh. So Manson gave directions that brought the group to 3301 Waverly Drive, and this was the home of a supermarket executive named Lino La Bianca and his wife Rosemary, who was a dress shop co owner. And this was a house where the cult had partied the previous year, so I guess he just drove them to this house that he knew of, right? Yeah. So as Watson related it in his autobiography, which is also an ew, apparently <laughs> this Watson dude wrote an autobiography. No. Uh, Manson woke the sleeping Lino LaBianca from the couch at gunpoint and had Watson bind his hands with a leather thong. After Rosemary was brought briefly into the living room from his bedroom, like from the, their bedroom, yeah. Watson followed Manson's instructions to cover the couple's head with pillowcases. He bound these in place with lamp cords, and then Manson left, sending Krenwinkel and Van Houten into the house with instructions that the couple be killed. So he still didn't, he, he didn't show them how to do it. No. He still made them do it. Yeah, he still fucking left. Uh, I mean... This is probably so he can be charged with this shit. So he's like, good he's with, like, leader. telling other people to do it, but he won't do it himself. Right? Yeah, no. He won't like, get his hands dirty. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, before leaving Spawn Ranch, Watson had complained to Manson of the inadequacy of the previous night's weapons, like the ones that they used on... We didn't have enough. Yeah, they, they weren't, weren't good enough. big enough. enough. Yep. Yeah, so, now, sending the women from the kitchen to the bedroom to which Rosemary LaBianca had been returned... He went to the living room and began stabbing Lino LaBianca with a chrome-plated bayonet. So when he complained to Manson, Manson's like, okay, well, here's a good weapon. There's a chrome-plated bayonet. bayonet. What the <laughs> fuck? Where did he even get that? So the first thrust went into the man's throat. And then sounds of a scuffle in the bedroom drew Watson there to discover Rosemary LaBianca keeping the women of the cult at bay by swinging the lamp tied to her neck. So that's pretty badass. Yeah. After subduing her with several stabs of the bayonet, though, uh, Watson returned to the living room and resumed attacking Lino, whom he stabbed a total of 12 times with a bayonet. And after this attack, the word war was carved into his abdomen by one of the murderers. Uh, They're not sure which, um, according to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so returning to the bedroom, Watson found uh, Krenwinkel stabbing Rosemary LaBianca with a knife from the LaBianca kitchen. Heeding Manson's instruction to make sure each of the women played a part, Watson told Van Houten to stab Mrs. LaBianca too. So she did, stabbing her approximately 16 times in the back and in her exposed, like, butt, buttocks, right? Yeah. Which is fucking weird. What the fuck? So while Watson cleaned off the bayonet and showered, Krenwinkel wrote, Rise and Death to Pigs on the walls, and Healter Skelter. She misspelled it. Oh my as god. As Healter Skelter. That doesn't even she rhyme, Krenwinkle. She wrote Skelter right. And yeah. didn't make this connection. She's like, why doesn't that seem to rhyme? Oh, it's fine. Why doesn't that look right? Yeah. <laughs> so she wrote that on the refrigerator door, all in LaBianca's blood. 
And then she gave Lino LaBianca 14 um, puncture wounds with an ivory-handled two-tined carving fork, which she left jutting out of his stomach, and then she also planted a steak knife in his throat, okay. which is overkill, I'm pretty sure. You know, he, yeah. he must have been gone by that point. So that brief summary of two of the Manson cult cases already involved, like, like a lot of different homes that yeah. were the site of horrific murders. And there's, like, so much more to the Manson crimes. Like I said, we'll cover, like, all of it in a future episode sometime in far more detail. But for now, luckily, I've got something slightly less upsetting to finish with. Okay. Yeah, That's and good. this isn't too yeah. bad. So I titled this The House That Nick Cage Lived In. <laughs> No. Already a bad start, hey? Yeah. This is scary enough. Okay. Yeah, so, which I guess, I mean, it's also widely known as the Lalaurie House in New Orleans. Yes. Yeah. I love that one, but I'm doing it. Yeah, you are. I was just about <laughs> to say, Andrea is going to cover the Lalaurie case in more detail in an upcoming episode. So look forward to that. So, like, I'm only going to briefly summarize some of the, like, chilling rumors surrounding the house, really. Um, commonly known as Madame Blanc, uh, she lived March 1970, to, um, December 7th, 1849. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. I think I said 7087. I was like, wait, that's Seven, yeah. far along. Seven. 1787 to 1849 until her third marriage when she became known as Madame Lalaurie was a New Orleans Creole socialite and a reputed, more on that in our future episode, she was a reputed serial killer who tortured and murdered slaves in her household. Born during the Spanish colonial period, Madame Blanc married three times in Louisiana and was twice widowed. Hmm. She maintained her position in New Orleans society until April 10th, 1834, when rescuers responded to a fire at the mansion and they discovered bound slaves in her attic who showed evidence of cruel, violent abuse over a long period of time. Lottery's house was subsequently sacked by an outraged mob of New Orleans citizens, and she ended up having to escape to France with her family. Okay. Sucks that she escaped. Yeah. Um, I mean, if she did this, but yeah, you'll get into that. Yeah. So the mansion is a landmark in the French Quarter, in part because of its history and for its architectural significance. However, because the house was burned down... The, by the mob, the Lottery Mansion at 1140 Royal Street was in fact rebuilt after her departure from New Orleans. And then, Nicolas Cage fucking bought and lived in the place in like 2007. Oh, what? What the fuck, Nick? Yeah, <laughs> so Cage had this to say about the subject. He's kind of, he's kind of wild, but he seems nice too, I don't know. Yeah. So, quote, I once lived in the most haunted house in America. The Lottery Mansion in New Orleans used to belong to Madame Lallerie a well-known 19th-century socialite and serial killer. I bought it in 2007, figuring it would be a good place in which to write the great American horror novel. I didn't get too far with the novel. Oh, okay. End quote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't... Has he written a novel? I was wondering. I'm like, yeah. does Nicolas Cage write novels? I didn't know he did. Like, does he write horror novels? I need to look up to see if Nick Cage yeah, writes for a novel. I need to, to know. Up. I need to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have to know. So, yeah, recently, actually, the McElroys, like, took a ghost tour, and that was one of the places that they looked at. Yeah. 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 Cool. So, right. yeah, that's cool. So, yeah. Um, email us. Yeah. Uh, about your own. siblings at gmail.com about your creepy-ass houses. Yeah. Tell us about your shitty house. 
Yeah. <laughs> and also your your personal Nick Cage experiences. Yes, those two. We just I really want opening to hear that. those ones first. I want to hear that even more. Just, yeah, me too. Uh, that time Nick Cage was in your house and you're like, this is the worst possible scenario. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Yeah. No. And then we're two scared siblings everywhere, except for Twitter, where we're at two scared sibs. Yep. Follow us, and we've got a Patreon, which is Patreon.com/slash two scared siblings to support us and help us get out of this fucking closet. Yes. Personal ones. I'm at Andrea Noel three. And I am at Toy Carousels. Yes, so do that. Support us. All Support right. your faves. Yes. We are your faves now. That yes. It's been decided. It has. So now we give You're you welcome. a kiss. Mwah. Mm-hmm. Bye. Sleep well.